Well, so what do you think of the on-site recording? Is it is, was that considered on-site or off-site? <laughs> off-site. <clears throat> it's re- remote, remote, live, live on remote. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I think I, if we did well, it more often, we get a little better at it, you know? Yeah, I think so. I thought, I thought the noise wasn't, I mean, you could hear the background noise, but I don't know. I, for me, if I had a, if I had my stand similar to yours, it would have been better. Yeah. It would have been better. I could have been a little more relaxed about it, but I had to hold the mic and I had to hold it away from me and had to remember to bring it to me. And that's a total pain to have yeah. to hold a mic, especially these, those are kind of big mics too. You know, they're like, yeah, they're typical, like, the typical mic. I mean, they're 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 live performance mics, right? So, but they're just they're dynamic, so they have fairly good like off access and noise rejection, and and you have to be right up on them, which yeah. I'd realize I should have been a little bit actually more up on mine, but I didn't know because we weren't monitoring. You know, I didn't <laughs> couldn't hear myself. But when you get right up on them, I mean, it really like the the difference, the signal to noise ratio in terms of like your voice if you're using it right to the background noise is pretty pretty damn good. I mean, that was a loud freaking bar, and it was. I, d- I did notice though that when l- listening back to it, that just the way I had like the audio and everything, like it was, uh, it was when we got loud, we were clipping a little bit, and mm. that kind of annoyed me. But other than that, I thought it sounded. I mean, g- g- again, if you were there and you heard how loud it was, like you'd been like, "Oh, that's that's pretty good," you know, because yeah. you 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 didn't struggle to hear to hear what we were saying or anything. I mean, I was probably a little buzzed, and I noticed I was not <laughs> not super comprehensible, comprehensible, understandable. Um, but that was my fault, not the fault of any of the audio equipment. <laughs> but that no, was fun. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, it's kind I kind of asked me back. I picked up the tab. Yeah, that's true. That was nice. <laughs> um, but I do, I do. It does make it make me appreciate our studio here. It does. Oh, I have to decide whether I'm going to renew the lease. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about not. That would save so much money. Oh my gosh, that would save me so much money. You too. It would. Yeah. But I'd turn around and spend it because I gotta find a place to work. Yeah, at least for two months while we remodel. Anyway, um, found a bug. You found a bug. Found a bug. Did you squash it? Just today. No, it's a Salesforce bug. I can't squash it. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. I don't know how to deal with no, it. No, but you can. Uh, you can create a case, and <laughs> support will take care of it. For I'm me. dreading that because it's <laughs> it's really hard to reproduce this. Well, it, it's easy to reproduce it in this in this customer's org. I was able to reproduce it in my developer org. <laughs> Um, but it's weird how you have to get it to reproduce and it doesn't, it's not very consistent. Yeah. Those suck. Yeah. It, it has something to do with, with either causing an error or causing a certain amount of JavaScript to run and then trying to edit the record that has a time field on it with a value in it, I believe. And what's ha- that again? So, so the, the root is the issue is that I have time fields on an opportunity. So we have an opportunity. It's like got date, time fields. On time? No, no time. Oh, the fields. new time field, time fields. I haven't used the new that new data type for time only. Yeah. Okay. Is that so? That's released. That's out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've never used it. So they so the time fields and they're on the opportunity and the client found it because they went to clone a record and as soon as they did, uh, it brings up that new dialogue and it prefills a bunch of stuff and the time on it was messed up. It said like nineteen seventy one 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 nineteen seventy or something like that and then the time and it it. it, it it's formatted in a way that the formatter, the uh, validator, doesn't like it, no. so it goes in error. Yeah, and because it's a pretty long form, you don't see it until you click save, and then it's this. You, people are like, "Why is it doing this?" And I was like, "We don't have anything defaulting that. We don't have anything doing that." So it took me a while to kind of figure out that it was a bug, and then trying to reproduce it. And I was able to reproduce it by adding a time field to my opportunity. Um, I wasn't able to get it on clone, so it has something to do with maybe if if the screen realizes there's um. 
some publisher events or something involved where it needs to refresh every so often because um, my dev doesn't have any of that. It's just very clean. And so the only way I could get it to happen was to force a validation error on my form. And as soon as I do that, go and click clone or click edit, and then it'll happen. That error will happen. So it's kind of weird. It's not really an error. It's a formatting issue with that field. And then when you try to save, you'll get the error because it doesn't, the formatting's not right. Hmm. I, th I thought I said it was during a clone. It's not as a result of a clone. It's just any, like, you know, you credit any Well, in the client's org, <clears throat> in the client's org, there's a lot of things going on. So there's records being created in the background and stuff, and Salesforce is aware of it, and it, there's publisher events publishing it to tell it to refresh, to say, oh, there's new data for this record. And I think it's, it's those type of operations, anything that's causing JavaScript to run, that's somehow impacting the way that formatter works or not letting that formatter work, um, because... As soon as you try to interact with it right after something like that happens is when that date gets screwed up or that time gets screwed up. Yeah. Well, you should just uh, implement a new, a new rule that as soon as someone opens up that edit screen, it just it puts all of the transactions in the system on hold until they're mm -hmm. done with that screen and they save it and then it lets everything resume. Did, did you ever work <laughs> on any of these systems back in, the, back, in the, uh, back in the day when like you'd hear someone get on the intercom? Everyone's the, the database is locked up. Everyone get out. <laughs> and never, so everyone has to close like their whatever the program is. It's like usually in my case, it was like these um, warehouse or manufacturing programs or whatever that are, you know, somewhat there would be there'd be basically it was a, it'd be a deadlock. Yeah. Um, and it, only solution to it is just if someone get on the intercom and tell everyone to get off to, to log out. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <clears throat> I don't remember why the reason because it it wasn't like cause with the SQL you can you can cut all the connections all the sessions. Yeah, and this was some like probably Btrieve based yeah. database of some sort. And I was, I was trying to remember because I think it was one of those legacy systems where you just had a dumb terminal to access the data. And by the way, anyone ever worked with a Btrieve database? And does anyone know what that is? If if you know what Btrieve <laughs> is and you worked with it, then then you're say old, something you're as the, old as Jeremy? say something in the Slack. And if you're not in our Slack yet, you should get in our Slack. What are you doing? <laughs> go to right now. Go to gooddayserpodcast.com and click on community. And I'll put your email address in, and John will add you. And then you can tell us about your Btrieve story. Nothing like scolding I can't, well, people I to join. Yeah, that's what I do. I scold. I can't wait to hear the Btrieve stories. <laughs> I still have PTSD about Btrieve. No, wasn't wasn't my area, so I don't know. I don't have any stories. Anyway, um, so I uh, I've been working on actually kind of refreshing an integration I created a long time ago between Salesforce and the integration runs in Salesforce because it's like an API to API integration. Mm -hmm. um, but it's used, it's calling an external that another sir another SaaS right via API. Right. Um, and back then it was the way I implemented it was um, a lot of it was some futures because. It needs to like make some calls, write some stuff to the database, make some calls, write some stuff to the database. Of course, you know you can't do that. Not in one transaction. Right. Salesforce doesn't like. And since you don't have really transaction control, you can't say okay, commit, and then like make another call out, and then write something to the database and say commit. You, you don't get to say commit. There's only right. one commit, and you, know, so you have to. Then everything has to die. Um, so futures, one way to fix that. Um, the problem with that is like if you need, you know, if you need to know the result of the future or when it's done, so that you can then do something else that was dependent on the future being done, then like, now you're kind of into, into problems and everything. And there's this, this other problem with this um, API that sometimes you needed to kind of query a whole bunch of records from it, or the, like, you'd query something and you get a big result set back and you have, you have to page through it. Mm -hmm. and that's something where like you get a page and you do some stuff in the database, but then you need to get the next page 
and do some stuff. I mean, it's like, it's a crisis problem, but I, you know, I, um, so we wanted to make a lot of changes to this integration, just, um, kind of change how it worked, add some stuff and whatever. And I just took the opportunity to re-implement all that as, as queuables. Mm-hmm. And so now like, I mean, cause you know, the typical mm-hmm. workflow might be like, okay, um, you know, it, it needs to take like kind of a whole object graph and like sync it to another system or, or pull an object graph from another system, but it needs to like, you know, um, let me just use some Salesforce terminology. So maybe like you need to like, um, you need to like uh, get pull a company, pull an account from this other system and then create it. And then you need to like make another call to like get some contacts or whatever and say, right. And so you can, what I did was I created as a, this super simple like base class mm-hmm. that, that implements Cubable. And um, it implements the execute method, right? Cubable mm-hmm. execute. And all it does is um, this base class knows about what's like, um, what I was calling like the next queuable, like yeah. the next one to run, right? Um, and so in its execute method, all it does is, um, so there's, it also defines, this base class defines a, um, an abstract method called like, I think it's called an internal execute or execute internal. And that's where subclasses put all of their stuff that they want executed. And then when they're, so when a subclass of this does all its, whatever it wants to do, mm-hmm. um, it's the base class that then, because the base class in its execute calls internal execute. And when, so when that's done, right. then the base class, you're back up to the base class, and it it knows then to fire off the next queuable. Right. And so I could build this graph of queuables. It's kind of like a, yeah, it's basically what it it's is. It's a queue of queuables. Yep. <laughs> now, I did, one second, one, one, and so it worked actually just beautifully. I'm like, yeah, oh, this is actually quite nice. I mean, this is just, it really did solve a problem that was, there was no good way to solve with Salesforce before. Um, now, you could argue that it's a problem of Salesforce's own making that, you know, <laughs> thank you for giving me the solution that I, to this problem you created for me. But it's not, but on all seriousness, it's, it's, it's a much, a much nicer solution. Um, but I did realize later though, that like, I wish I would have kept the integration code actually completely clean of any, of any queuable interfaces or anything like that. I wish I would have created like, Almost like what are they? Um, com- are they called um, command? Like the command pattern? Mm-hmm. Like it's an it's a it's a super simple class that usually they just has have like a do or go method or whatever. And I wish I would have. I wish I would have implemented all the all the integration stuff as uh, just implementing command and kept it free of of any other like system or platform interfaces, and then separately had like a a simple a simple cute you know queuable class that that knows to execute the next queuable. But it also would hold on to one of these integration command implementations. So, I mean, that's, I'm getting picky with myself there, but that would have been a little bit of a cleaner way to do it. More single responsibility. Like yeah. a class shouldn't know how to do integration stuff and know how to fire off next cubables and stuff. You know, really kind Yeah, of, I, I did something similar to what you did, and it was, it was essentially that same pattern. I would essentially just have a, have a, I think I called it a worker, is what I called it. So I had the job that would start and it would kick off all the workers. And so each worker had an interface that with an execute method on it, and so it just kind of recursively keep calling. But I did have to provide a context between the two because even though it was a chain of commands, they weren't they weren't isolated. There was dependencies between them, and um, so I wanted to pass those dependencies forward rather than you know having to to do a bunch of queries and extra logic. Uh, 
because I was kind of really I was trying to build a graph of data, but I needed to call several web services to get all this data together mm. and to build it. And I didn't want to commit anything to the database or stage it in the database because I just I don't like doing that. Um, so I had to build this graph of data and pass it forward to each one of the mm. to oh, the yeah. different methods or just pass a reference. <clears> to it, right? I mean, it's like low memory basically. Yeah. So there's a fair amount of fair bit amount of context being passed around, which is really nice because that that's one advantage of cubables over say futures and, and batches. Yeah, and it stays like in that. memory, right? Yeah. I mean, and anything they reference stays in memory. That's actually a big difference between another big difference actually between cubables and um, uh, futures, right? Yeah. I know you're reading Slack here, I can tell you. Well, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm participating with our live chat. Oh, this is like, yeah, this intercepting filter, that's kind of an integration kind of type of pattern, I guess. This is, um, this is, uh, is that, is that kind of, I wonder if that's more of an enterprise integration pattern or if that's more of a, did you, did you ever read any of the, um, the POSA books, patterns of software architecture? No, it's on my list. Actually, I think I bought the well, book and I had there's, read. Se there's several of them. <laughs> There's several of them. Um, I'm really behind on my reading. Like volumes. So like I, like, I had went out and bought a bunch of. I just got. I got it under my head that I was going to have time to read a bunch of stuff, and I went and bought a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah. Because like a crazy yeah. person. Yeah. And so <laughs> my Kindle's filled, but I've yet to yeah. to finish or even start a lot of these books. Yeah. So, no, I don't read books. I just buy them. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> collect them. I'm a collector. Oh, man, this is like in the way here. That's, that's why I don't like having a Kindle because I can't pretend I'm smart and have read all these books because they're not on my bookshelf. They're in, they're in this little device. Yeah. Well, I think I told you I won that brewing competition again, right? You did. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 I thought I'd just brag about it. On a beer that, that was fun. I it's, it's, taste. it's not a serious competition at all. It's, it's, um, it's a buddy of mine. He has like a, this big party every, every winter it's called the polar bear party. Did you jump on the pool? I did not. I'm not a jumper. You never do, um, do you? No, I've never no. have. But uh, afraid of shrinkage, <laughs> amongst other things, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, struggle, the struggle is real. <laughs> uh, I just had to go there. But no, they they do it to um, raise money for the SPCA. I think I feel like we talked about this last week. I don't know, maybe not. No, but, we didn't talk uh, about it last week. We didn't. Okay. No. Anyway, it's, you know, it's it's pretty fun. I mean, it's like I think like a hundred people or more show up to it, um, and you know they raise a lot of money and. People jump in a really cold pool um, for this charity, but they a few years ago they added like a like a barbecue competition and mm -hmm. a brewing homebrew competition. And there were like I think there were seven or eight beers there, but yeah, I won. And it's not serious at all. I mean, there's no there's the judges are just everyone who shows up. They get a they get a chip, a, a certain colored poker chip to to vote on whichever one they think is the best. But you can't vote for yourself. You can, although I didn't vote for myself. I voted yeah. for the barrel aged. Blueberry vanilla stout. That sounds good. Yeah, I don't, I don't like voting for myself. Why not? I don't know. It's just if you won't vote for you, how do you expect me to vote for you? That that's I don't know. That's that's like that's a politician <laughs> thing, not a beer thing. <laughs> anyway, that was fun. It's you know it's fun to win, but like I said, it's not serious at all because the judges are not. Serious. And plus, I mean, you have there's no categories. Everything every beer competes against every other. It's like you know there's. Um, triple New England IPAs competing against, Pil in my case, a German Pilsner is what I brought. And I've, it's funny, I'll tell you that in a minute, but um, anyway, competing against like barrel aged stouts and it just, and, you know, strawberry gozas and just all, all kinds of random stuff, you know? And how can you, how can you compare a Pilsner to a triple New England IPA? You can't. Then it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> but yeah, no, I kind of, I, I thought, I was trying to decide like what I wanted to enter um, 
I was like, I'm going to do a logger because all these bear, a lot of these bear nerds who are not enlightened um, are very anti-logger. And they, you know, I've gotten, I've really. That logger was the new thing. I've really, I, I think it, I mean, it, it kind of is actually. And I've, I've been really enjoying this, this kind of craft logger that movement that's IPA, happening. That's the new thing, right? Um, It was the new thing. That's kind of like a, that's, that's approaching like seven or eight, 10 years old and something like that now. Mm. I mean, when, when did Hetty Topper come out? I feel like that was one of the originals. It seems like it's like 10 years, but gotta be close. Anyway, but yeah, my, my, my logger, <laughs> well, it's funny because on the, you have to give a little description of the, of the beer you're entering. And I, one of the things I put on there is like, Hey, this is a, a beer flavored beer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think maybe one thing that helped me though, was all the non, you know, craft beer nerds. Like mm-hmm. they're just like, Oh, this one tastes like beer. I like this one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> nice sometimes it pays to keep it simple. Right? I know exactly. Do you right. want to do some community stuff? Uh, sure. Uh, let's do some community stuff. We have no reviews, though. That's okay. Sad. John's sad. Us? Oh, I didn't know if we could, We didn't get a name. Like, I'm just going to be on and honest because I don't remember getting authorization to use okay. a name. <clears throat> That's fine. Uh, but, is this coming via email or what is this? Uh, I think this came out on Slack, but okay. it was, it was uh, DM'd, okay. I think. Uh, so this was an article sent to us, and it's titled, Why Are Young People Pretending to Love Work? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was an interesting article, uh, mainly because I have been, uh, a lot of my work lately, officing work has been out of a WeWork, and so I'm surrounded by a lot of these people that this article talks about, these people that are basically championing how 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 hard they're working, you know, and these environments that, that promote that type of <clears throat> work ethic, I guess. Or they, where they, they have like places for you to sleep. They have places for you to take a nap. They have, they have like little dark rooms. They have little mindful rooms, and they're open twenty four hours. Sounds the like office Salesforce. is open twenty four hours. This is you're describing Salesforce. Yeah. Well, do they have an Ohana floor? They might. They might. <laughs> they probably do. <laughs> I don't see. I don't, and I haven't really worked in these places. I mean, I've I've been to them. I've had some meetings at you know WeWorks and stuff, but are these other you know kind of co working. Well, it's, it's kind of embracing that startup culture where you're in a startup and you're you're there. They have games and food and all this kind of stuff because you're basically there working. Not, no one's nonstop. got private offices. It's just a big, you know, <clears throat> open area. Right. You're just working nonstop, trying to build this thing. But then and I'll, so I'll just look around, like, that is culture. anyone actually working here? That, that's what. That's what. And I didn't read this article, so you'll have you'll have to fill me in. Um, but the, you know, people are so young. People are pretending to love work. I don't know. Well, is, it's that, a, is that a thing? It, well, it's social media. So, like, my wife. Oh, it's the Gary Vaynerchuk thing. So I'm my, my wife Chuck in the slack here. Is it the Gary Vaynerchuk thing? Just like you got to hustle and just kill yeah. it and kill yeah. yourself and everything. Okay. Yeah. But I, I, it's a branching. It's an offshoot on just social media culture where it, my wife would call it Facebook life, where everything in Facebook and all the images on Instagram and everything else you see is just ha- happiness or. I'm out doing this. I'm out doing this. Aren't you jealous of me? I'm I'm having this great meal. I'm at this party, and the versus the real life. You know what it's really like, where you see the people that get caught saying they're at the beach and they're off. They're at a playground, sand sand pit. Yeah, I guess I, I just don't follow. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Again, I didn't read this. So you're gonna have to like explain this to me. What is this? So are people, are young people pretending yes. to love to work? And the question yes. is why. Yes. And so are they. What do you mean? What are they? How are they pretending to love work? Well, they'll just post status updates. They'll 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 talk about how late they're working or how much they love their job or I just pulled ten hours or, but in, in not in a way of oh god I just did an all nighter. It's I just pulled an all nighter. Yeah, f yeah. Yeah, 
<laughs> right. You know, it's that kind of culture. Um, not me, not me, man. After about six hours, I'm just like, that's because you're an place. old man. Here. You're an old man, and you're not. You know what? You're not changing the world. That's there is some truth to that. I, I, I you know, and, and you can't tell. Is it because I'm getting older, or because I realize I, I'm actually more self aware of when I of how I get productivity for myself? Which is it? Yeah. Because I feel like when you're younger, you're you're you just don't you don't know yourself as well, and you don't get it. You don't realize that you're not getting ten good hours. No, in fact, but, I mean some of the a lot of the I mean really interesting kind of up to date science on this shows that you know you get about you're, you get about two to four really good hours, and hardly anyone. I mean, you have to you know hardly anyone gets you know much better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're working ten hours, I mean, yeah, you're there ten hours, and you're you're doing some stuff. But should you be there 10 hours or should you be there like seven or eight hours and then go get your mind off of work, go get a good night's sleep and then hit it hard for another seven or eight hours the next day? What, what, you know, which is in the long run, which is more productive? What's going to end up with like working smarter? Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's, there's two points that I wanted to make on on this article. One of them being, and I'm going to save it for a bit, but. One of them being, I remember what it was like being what do you mean young. You're save it for a bit. What does that mean? Well, because I want to get to this other point first. Okay. So uh, I shouldn't have said that. Okay. <laughs> so one of the other reasons that that the idea that reasons are people are sharing these statuses is that it, it not only does it indicate how hard they're working or how they're hustling, but it's also the the perception that it translates to wealth as well. That it translates to, oh, I'm working That's at this, the Gary this cool startup. Now, you know what I'm talking um, about? What was his book called? His original book, Crush It or something like yeah. that. And he's had a, had a few of these, but yeah, it was all about, yeah, um, yeah, um, the hustle, the yeah. hustle, yeah. Now I don't know if he, I don't know, obviously he didn't invent the word hustle, but did he not start that like hashtag hustle type of like that? Did he not bring that back? Or kind of bring cra- back the hustle? I mean, kind of. <laughs> um, I'm just I'm googling and trying to find his book. I mean, I know he's probably got multiple books now. Yeah, crushing it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that was it. Crush it or crushing it or something. Crush it, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I, that always struck me as just not not good culture. I mean, first of all, not a not a good way for you to work personally. Yeah. Um, and not a good example to set for everyone else. I mean, it's not a it's not the. I don't. And I know I'm like this flies in the face of everything like a VC culture and everything. You know, it's the opposite. That's what they that's what they want is they want young. You know, pretty much. And it's well documented how so many of these um, startups are incredibly ageist because, you know. Because they want the new blood. Yeah, they don't want someone who's married. They don't want, certainly don't want someone who's got kids. And they don't want someone who's old, you old fart, you know, 40s and up, um, who don't have the stamina to work 10 or 12 hours. I don't think it's a stamina. It's just, we've been there, done that. It's like. Well, we realize it's not smart. (laughs) I worked, and that, that goes back to the second point I wanted to make. I remember being young and trying to prove myself and, and trying to gain experience. Not only trying to gain experience, but also demonstrate that I had experience and that I could do these things. And a lot of times, especially in my career, I was part of a lot of hidden IT departments. So I had even more to prove, you know, when I was developing solutions and bypassing IT and trying to not screw things yeah, up because so. the thumb was on me. If I screwed up, it would be magnified. Right. It's like, you know, yeah, you didn't have a... The bachelor's, you know, bachelor's in computer science and work in the IT department. But damn it, you could work ten hours a day, yeah. right? That's how you would make up for it. That's yeah. you know, 
Pretty much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember those days. I mean, there, there's there's a certain amount when you're young of trying to prove yourself or trying to get out there and gain experience. And and yeah, hustle. Just just try and make things happen through brute force. You know, even if you do have some sense of basic knowledge to pull from, it's a world of technology. It's a world of creativity. It's a world of innovation. There's always new stuff that you you can beat your head against and just try to make happen yeah, through yeah. sure will. I mean, I f- you know, and that's the thing. I mean, I feel like I hustle. I mean, I'm... I got a lot of sh- stuff going on, you know, working at a, a essentially a startup and, you know, I got a new gig at a startup, There's, you know, tons of stuff to do, tons of stuff to build, tons of stuff to fix. I mean, I've got easily 16 hours a, a, a day of work I could do if, if I could do it, but I can't. Right. But that's, that's how much work is there. Right. So there's no end of, of, of work, no shortage of work to do. And I got all kinds of other stuff going on. I mean, I got a, I got a social life. I've got, you know, family life and all kinds of stuff going on. And, um, podcast yeah so i mean mm-hmm. I, I feel like i'm hustling i mean i you know i'm here early and i'm i'm here for like eight hours and i just i i mean i'm working i don't ever i don't and this is probably not good i'm not like saying you know, do this but like i don't take lunches um when the weather's nicer it's actually been believe it or not here in texas it's been like too cold but i usually take um i'll walk a couple miles a day during the day which takes probably 40 minutes out of my day mm-hmm. 30 40 minutes something like that um but that actually, to me, that's like the number one thing that improves my mental health here while I'm at the office is to take that break and walk around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't ever take lunches. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm hustling. You know, I'm just like getting as much work done. I've got calls all day and lots of people to interact with and remember and follow up on and t- tasks all across the place and people that need my help. And, but I mean, I feel it at the, at, you know, at the six or seven hour mark, I mean, I can feel it tailing off big time. And, yeah. I, and I know that like the best thing for me to do as soon as I can is get out of here go home, have a beer, play with my kids, have dinner, watch a, maybe watch a show with my wife or read some of a book and then get to sleep so yeah. that I, so I can get recharged. And that's my big, actually, that's my biggest challenge in life right now is like, is getting enough quality sleep. I've started using one of these sleep tracker apps on the iPhone. I told you about that. I'm out of, I can't remember. I know I'm old. I can't remember what I've talked about on the show and what I haven't. So sorry. <laughs> um, to really try to figure out like why can't I what what are the factors that affect the quality of my sleep? Um, there's times even when like I'm, I'm I'm like okay I'm gonna give myself nine hours to sleep, and I will, I'll wake up nine hours. Uh, I make it sound like I only wake up once. That's part of the problem. I wake up a lot, but I'll get up. I'll I'll give up. I should say yeah. nine hours later, and I'm like why do I feel like crap? I feel like I need I could lay in bed and sleep another three hours. I don't feel rested. I'm looking. I'm sure enough. I pull up the thing and see how I slept, and I'm I'm waking up all the time. My heart rate sometimes like will not drop down the way it's supposed to. And I'll have like, you know, you're supposed to get a couple hours of deep sleep and I'll have like 30 minutes of deep sleep. The other night I had zero deep sleep, deep sleep, a nine hour sleep session, zero deep sleep. And like, and the quality sleep is, is also low. So just trying to figure that out. And I don't know if it's like when I eat, um, are you working right before you go to bed? I usually don't. I try not to. There are times where I if I'm working on a, on a complex problem, I'll go to bed with it and it'll, it'll, I'll just keep churning through it in my head and I just won't sleep because I'm still churning through it. Um, so I found that if I, if I have something like that on my plate is I try to not make that the last thing I do. I try to watch a show or play a game or do something different because it just, it'll stick with me. Yeah. And this probably isn't good. I know the experts would say this is not good, but this, I mean, from an anxiety perspective and, and shutting my mind down, it really helps me. Like when I like the last thing I do before I actually try to go to sleep is I have to try to get tired, right? And the way I do that, and again, kind of and kind of wind my my brain down, 
way I do that is usually by watching. Um, I'll watch um, whatever show I happen to be watching. Like right now, I'm watching Ray Donovan, the, like the season, whatever the most current season. And I usually watch about thirty minutes of is he it. The cleaner? No. But anyway, I'll, so but right before I start, I'll take a couple of melatonin. I'll start. I'll start in whatever show I'm watching, and when I start to feel sleepy, I'll then like switch it over just to the news, like one of the news channels, and then I'll um, and then I'll go to sleep because the news is is boring enough that it doesn't ke- it doesn't keep me interested, and I can. But it's enough that there's talking going on, and it distracts me from like thinking about stuff and worrying about oh crap, I forgot to email that guy back, or and I you know because that's what my brain will do, and I will mm-hmm. not be able to go to sleep. So I know you're not supposed to like watch TV and stuff before you go to bed, but. He's the fixer. That's what I meant to say. I've seen a couple episodes of that. I really like it. Yeah, he's it. a fixer. Yeah, <clears throat> it's good. It's just it's, it's it's I think it's in six season six now, and it's it's kind of gotten. I can't tell if it's there. I can't tell if it should have ended a couple of seasons ago or not. I mean, it probably should have. Uh, yeah, I mean, most shows should. Most shows <laughs> going to doing. Should end on a high note. All right, All next right. next community topic. Uh, oh, we have another community. Yeah. Okay. So oh, this one you know about because this one's for you. <laughs> Is this um, needing to make sense of the Apple results? Yeah. Okay. Again, we didn't get. Wait, it's going to be anonymous because I don't, I don't think we got permission for the name. Yeah, but. we didn't, did we? Um, okay, yeah. So <clears throat> I guess we have to back up a little bit. So Apple updated their guidance, which I, by the way, I think guidance should go away. It, this is not, actually it's not useful. It gets gamed. I mean, you got companies like Salesforce that game the crap out of guidance. I mean, they use it just to, just to well, game Apple, the whole system. Apple gamed it too. You know, and I can't remember, but I feel like Apple's one of these companies that actually does not try to game it. I, could I think wrong. they gamed it this round. Uh, well, okay, let me explain what they did, and you tell me how that's gaming it. So they knew they were going to have – so what happened – okay, let's come up to yesterday. Mm-hmm. They announced their quarterly results. Revenues are down like 4% year over year. Mm-hmm. Um, iPhone sales are down. You know, the whole China thing is hurting them. And they and they knew that they were going to perform under what they had – the guidance they had previously given. So they updated their guidance. What a – was that a few weeks ago, a month ago, or mm-hmm. whatever? And said, "Listen, like we're lowering our guidance because we know we're not going to do as well this quarter." And sure enough, they came in like what they said they would with their guidance. I mean, really close. So how is how is that gaming it? Because I think they were one percent above that guy that guidance, and so it gave it gave advocates that one percent. No, what one percent? It was one cent. One cent. No, it's like no, it was not one percent. Okay, Kramer says it was one percent. I'm pretty sure Kramer said it was one percent. Dude, you're listening to Kramer? No, I'm just Everyone saying. Everyone knows that guy's the biggest dummy on Wall Street. I'm just saying of those people who who let's see, because uh, he was one of the ones that was saying Apple beats by one cent. Let's yes, see. EPS of four dollars and eighteen cents. Their consensus was four dollars seventeen cents. It's not one percent. You're way off on that. It, they I'm not way off. I'm, I'm parroting someone else. I'm paraphrasing someone else. So, anyway, so maybe we disagree on that. I, I don't think that, I don't think they were gaming anything here. Um, but no. So I mean, I think first of all, China in general is is, is a big problem for these phone companies. Not just not just Apple. It's not an Apple thing. It's hurting them all big time right now. Mm-hmm. Some of that may have to do with this trade war that the, the <laughs> Trump's got going on with with China. Um. That probably is not helping, um, and also you know I think Apple's in a in a little bit of a transition. You know I heard I saw her maybe heard some of these analysts say, you know iPhone or or um, Apple is not an iPhone company or not a phone company anymore, which is funny because just a few years ago, it you know people were saying oh Apple's not a computer company anymore, 
you know so it's like they keep they keep changing and as, as kind of what how they what their identity is well they're next to be a streaming company oh uh, yeah or a services company or what or whatever you know there's and in fact i mean their services that's kind of one of the highlights for me so let, let's get into it so first of all i think so they, they made the announcement a month or so ago that that things are kind of bad and you know it's not necessarily anything they thought they were doing wrong or, or whatever right but well, I think they did a lot of things wrong. Whatever. Well, you, I mean, we can talk about this if you want to, but let me get through this. Um, anyway, so uh, they made their they made their announcement with their quarterly results yesterday. Um, I think at this point they've already the, like the kind of the bad news is over. I mean, the bad news is what it was. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a long term trend. I just think it's like oh well, all this crap's happening in the world and China sucks, so let's just like reset down a notch. I don't think it's a I think it's like a one time shift basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I mean, like their stock was up 6% today. I think it's around six, maybe it's four, four or 6%. Um, because again, the, it, it wasn't worse. People, I think people were fearing it was going to be actually worse than what they guided. And it wasn't. Um, one thing they, one thing they made announcement though, is they're not, no longer going to include unit sales in their reports for like iPhones, iPads, Macs, whatever, which I think is probably kind of smart because. I think those don't tell a very good story in some in some ways of how the company's doing. It's like okay, yeah, but I mean they they selectively use that if they're if that if they're doing great then they'll itemize it. If not, then they'll no, no, they'll no. wrap it in. They've always itemized it. They don't get to somehow sometimes do it, sometimes don't. They always 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 itemize and announce the unit sales of these things. What what they're saying now is we've we're, we've always told you our unit sales in these things. We've always told you. From this time forward, and we're telling you what they are today, but from this time forward, we are no longer going to do that. I just meant in companies in general. Like you'll have Amazon who didn't break out AWS, and now they're breaking out AWS because it's such a strong part of their business. No, because SEC regulations require that once something becomes a certain percentage size of your business, you actually have to report on it individually. It's not because they wanted to. They had to. Sure, but option until then, it's optional. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could report on it if they wanted to. Um. But their services, that, that, to me, this is the big news. Or maybe it's just because I haven't been tracking that much. But first of all, they, the first time they've announced what their, or said what their margins are in services, 63% margin on services. So huge margin. I mean, uh, someone was telling me, man, as soon, as soon as the musicians see this, they're going to start demanding uh, a bigger cut, right, from all the Apple Music stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when they see how much money Apple's making on this. But it's a 10, almost $11 billion a quarter business, the services. So what's that? Forty? They're probably on, they're probably on a fifty billion dollar run rate a year for services, and it's sixty three percent margin. I mean that's that, that's mind blowing. I mean a, a, yeah. a, a day, one day of that it makes more money than Salesforce makes in a year. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just it's mind boggling. So so that's a real bright spot, and it's you know and it's growing. It's growing really healthily. So. One good thing. Also, they did, and I, this, I think this is pretty normal for them. They declared a seventy-three cent per share quarterly dividend. So basically, they're you know they're giving three and a half billion dollars in cash back to their investors. Which thank you, I'm an investor. Although I don't have that many shares, I mean I don't have enough that that's going to make a difference <laughs> in my life whatsoever. I can buy maybe a six pack of beer or something. Okay, next beer's on you then. Um, next beer's to, on Apple. They're then. up to one hundred thirty billion dollars in cash just sitting essentially in the bank. One hundred thirty billion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, revenue was down four and a half percent to eighty-four billion dollars for the quarter. Eighty-four billion for the quarter. Even that, that just still sounds big to me. But anyway, China revenue fell eighteen billion. So that was that was the big um, 
It's factor. Mm-hmm. And again, is that was that kind of like a one-time thing where everything just kind of corrected, or is that just a continuing downtrend? I don't know. I, 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 I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think all of it is a factor, but I think the fact that these last two years they came out with way too many phones all at once. There just there just wasn't enough money to go around. Nobody needed to upgrade. I mean, you had the eight, and then you had the ten, and then you had the ten. The big 10, and then you have the, t- the XR. It's just way too well, many. Only, and I'm, none of them went down in price. Exactly. You did how much this phone cost me? This probably is a thousand bucks. $1,500. Yeah. 1500 Yeah. I mean, the first iPhone I bought, which I bought the top of the line one, well, I think it was what? 500 How much were they? 600 I don't uh, know. 500 I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now granted, they are like way more capable. And you can, I mean, many people can get away with this being their only computing device. This is an incredibly. Powerful computer. Yeah, but the feature investment wasn't enough to cover the cost. I mean, for all intents and purposes, from a from a from a consumer perspective, not maybe from a spec sheet or all, you know all those kind of things, but there wasn't enough difference between the different models to say yes, it's worth me trading in my phone that I just spent a thousand dollars on a year ago to spend fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. They would have been better off just letting it coast for a bit, reducing prices. I think they would have done better off. Or, I mean, there's the, the other arguments that, you know, they're making these devices that do, that can last years, which is great for the environment and all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of justifies a higher selling price. Like, hey, this they're making these things that last years. Like, you know, spend a little bit more money and, you know, it's going to last. It's going to last a long time. You might as well get a good one. And and I think if that's if that's their goal, then their cadence of releases should change. I think maybe every two years they should release a new phone. It's this yearly cadence is is just too much. I think they spent um, in this quarter three point nine billion dollars on R and D. So what's that a year? Sixteen sixteen billion a year on R and D. Whew. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, what do you think of this this FaceTime bug? Uh, I don't know. I I don't use the group. I don't have the group featured. I think that's only on the newer phones, right? It may be. Yeah, I've never yeah. Even tried it. So I don't know. Someone could eavesdrop on what? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I mean, I mean, what mean, conversations are people having? That I mean, it's it's not a good thing. Obviously, no, any kind of security breach is a bad thing. Right. But still, um, it's like okay. Well, what are they going to listen in on? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. And but like the, uh, I, essentially, if the recipient had to kind of just screw up somehow, do something accidentally that would allow you to kind of eavesdrop or something. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Some it was like when you're starting like kind of a three way call, like when you call when you go to bring the second person in. Yeah, something I, like that. Yeah. But anyway, um, I thought the, I like the way they handled. It. So they didn't they they disabled FaceTime, didn't they? Or yeah, they disabled, they disabled it. Okay. Yeah. The whole uh, no, all not, FaceTime, or not just FaceTime that, that group feature. No, okay. Yeah. Like somehow they, which is that. Is that unsettling or not? They can just like disable features or anything? I guess that's, I don't know. I guess that's a good thing because... I think it goes to their server so that server can just... So they disabled that and then I think, is the fix already out or they said it would be out in like a day or two or something. So I mean... I haven't kept up with it. So that's pretty cool they can do stuff like that. I mean, they have a good, I think they overall a pretty good security program. Anyway, yeah, so I'm, I'm not worried about Apple. I know that, you know... As at what's the saying? Like uh, whatever. As Apple goes, so goes the market, or or whatever. Um, and it affects the whole world. But I, I think it was a one-time thing. I think I think Apple's fine. I mean, I'm, I think as as a I'm, long-term I'm stable company, they're they're doing fine compared to where they were tw- two decades ago. But I mean, uh, they, some... they, the the market definitely demands a lot of them. They want to see just new things from them constantly, and it's just unrealistic expectations, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you certainly don't want them to to 
to rest and just kind of get old and, and not innovate. But at the same time, innovation takes time. You can't just rush it. You can't just say every year I need to have this new fancy feature. It yeah. just doesn't work that way. Yeah. But I guess the other side of it is competitors are come out with new stuff. You have to come out with new stuff. And it's just, it's just a cycle that doesn't seem to benefit anyone. I mean, it benefits consumers, right? No, it benefits Wall Street. Well, that's it. Well, that, that's like, that's that's the ultimate goal, right? We have to we have to make sure Wall Street's taken care of, and then everyone, and then it's all derivative from there. Oh, trickle down Wall Street, huh? Yep. <laughs> Again, that's how you. I mean, how do we how do we how are we creating so many how many how do we create so many billionaires and billions of dollars off of companies that don't, hey, that don't make any money? If we make the rich richer, there's a lot, that's a lot more crumbs for the rest of us plebes, right? <sighs> yeah. What's that? That's trickle down economics, right? Yep. Anyway, uh, Microsoft also released results. Um, they're doing still doing pretty well. Um, revenues up twelve percent, thirty two billion. It's a lot, a lot of, a lot of billions for one quarter. And I, of course, I jumped down to um, well, and also interesting. Gap profit eight point four billion dollars per quarter. So none of those non gap. What's the crap. deferred revenue? <laughs> I don't know. Although I'm sure they have deferred revenue. Do they? Well, because well, I, I don't know. Do they sell long subscriptions of things? So they can't really recognize revenue. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Um, Office three sixty five commercial up thirty four percent. I feel like that's just that's going to become their next huge cash cow. I mean, it already is, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so Azure growth was seventy six percent, which sounds good, except that's down from ninety eight percent. But of course, not. You can't keep growing at ninety eight percent. Yeah, every year. Well, right? Amazon doesn't. So right. I mean, for <laughs> when you're small, you can you can double every year. That's no. That's nothing. Yeah. Uh, Dynamics three sixty five, up fifty one percent. Now, John, what is Dynamics three sixty five? And they really got this three sixty five thing. I know. Is on. that what is that? Is that an integration between Dynamics and Office? What is that? I don't even know. Because that's separate from Dynamics products and cloud services, which was up 17%. Well, Dynamics is the CRM. Yeah. So they have, they have the traditional... Well, there's, I guess they still have, there's Dynamics products and cloud services, yeah. which was up 17%. And there's Dynamics 365, which was up 51%. I think they ended up lumping a bunch of stuff under the Dynamics name. Maybe that's the SaaS, the SaaS version of it. I, I think so, but I think a lot of things got lumped under Dynamics. Could be trying to remember yeah it's, it's earnings season man uh, you know that's good when companies i mean you got companies like apple and microsoft and oracle whatever i mean we need these companies that actually make money because that's really what makes the economy work real companies making real money yeah and over i would say overall you know it looks it looks good things look good consumer confidence is keeps going down though i don't I don't know if you follow this stuff or not, but that's all. It's interesting. I feel like there's a lot of negativity coming out of China news, and that's what's worrying everybody. Is that is, is that China has such a big effect on us? But I also feel like the press always tries to get people whipped up, doesn't, yeah. doesn't it? Well, they do. They got to make the, the 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 numbers and the revenue. Speaking of growing, uh, Salesforce. Uh, just rented out a, a bunch of office space here in Dallas. So I think we're, a good, I don't know if they got naming rights, but uh, certainly they we're going to have a, a tower here. I can't believe that they didn't buy the naming rights to the whatever the tallest building in Dallas is. That's the MO, right? Oh, I don't know. Gotta have a, I'm, he hasn't said this yet, but you know how he used to always say, well, I should, uh, I don't know if I can find this quickly. Uh, 
But he used to always talk about, you know, it's my dream, right? Remember that one? What does it say? It is absolutely my dream, and I'm dedicated to being the fastest to 10 billion. I bet it's, I bet it, we got to update that. It's not even 20 billion anymore. It's, it's my dream to have a Salesforce tower in every, in every major city in the United States. The world. The world. There you go. They have a new one in, I think they opened Singapore, a new one in Dublin or something. Hong Kong, Tokyo. Gotta, I should know that. I thought they, I thought they're doing something in Dublin. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. So, which one is Union Office Tower? Oh, that's in Uptown. Yeah, okay. it's in Uptown. Okay. Yeah. Just where the WeWork office is. That I'm yeah. At, which is horrible. Do you have an Uptown girl, John? Uptown girl. <laughs> that's the only thing. Did I you know. buy her pearls? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Let's see. Um, what do you want to do next, John? I want to talk about, just looking at our topics here. I mean, we have this hanker, hack, hanker, hacker rank report, hacker which rank. I guess is a pretty big thing. It was kind of interesting. It's one of these, it's a, it's a survey, right? That one of these that people actually care about, I guess. But JavaScript is the most, officially the most popular language according to this thing. And it just barely edged out Java. But I, I found more interesting the languages developers want to learn in 2019. The biggest one was Go. Some, some good old Golang. Second, Kotlin. Or maybe, actually, Kotlin and Python look virtually tied. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Kotlin's hot, man. I'm telling you. It's really nice. And then fourth was TypeScript. That's not surprising. People still want to learn PHP. That blows my mind. <laughs> it's on the list. OCaml. Wow. Um, let's see. React is poised to overtake AngularJS. And Vue is still, still, still down there, but it's growing like it's growing faster than anything else. It doubled. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's one of the top three on people's tongues when they talk about frameworks like that. Dance and electronic music are the top. Top music to code to, John. Unless you're an old fart like us. Actually, no. No, that's what I listen to. <laughs> you do? Yes. Because you're, you're trying to be hipster, John. If I'm trying to concentrate, it's, it's electronic chill. <laughs> and if I'm just trying to, to get myself motivated, then I'll, then I'll probably kick on some mix of some dubstep for, or derivative of a dubstep. I just, it just gets me going. Um, so we have some real-time follow-up. The Dynamics, so Microsoft Dynamics brand, it has all the ERP stuff, I guess. What's, uh, I guess, yeah, you have to say Dynamics CRM. That's their, yeah. okay. That's, but that's it also what I'm saying, because um, I think they lumped in a yeah. bunch of stuff under Dynamics. Great, it has great planes and all that crap, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. Oh, um, I upgraded to um, Illuminated Cloud 2, finally, after... Just barely? After over a year. I didn't realize this, but I, I would... Like I had looked back at the press release when when he released two, and it was December of 2017. Holy crap! Jesus. Well, first of all, <laughs> version one was just—I guess—I I think I was just procrastinating. Version one was working fine. I'm like okay, and I hadn't got into a bunch of you know the newer the lightning, know, lightning stuff. stuff. Still avoiding lightning. I don't think one has DX support at all either. Probably not. Um. 
But and I don't think one did this. I'm not sure. But one thing I noticed about at least version two has that it's pretty nice considering how ridiculous this is. That this problem even has to be solved. But you know, how, you know, it's one of my complaints about Lightning is just that everything is like you you basically are programming in, inside strings, like all all these uh, what do they call them the um, view mo- not view models. Um, what are all the value value providers? Is that what they call them? So I like, guess. Like, you know, when you do like V dot and yeah. C dot, those are all, those are just different value providers. So like yeah. there's a value provider that provides you your view values. There's a value provider that provides your controller values and all these things. But they're all tunneled in strings, mm-hmm. which is a, just a horrible, horrible way to program. No, you don't have to do that anymore. With Lightning Web Components? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, we're going to, I mean, we're going to have like at least five years of all this legacy code that, or the, we're going to have legacy code that's been written across the past five years that we're going to be dealing with for the next 10 years. So yeah. you're still going to have to deal with this. But if you like, let's say you do this, like, um, I don't know, whatever there's something dot get. And then you, you pass in the string. That's like C dot my attribute or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And in, if you just uh, put your cursor in that string and do the normal command B like to navigate to the symbol, and um, even though it's inside a string, and uh, Illuminated Cloud knows right where to go, takes mm-hmm. you right to it. Yeah, sure, nice. Well, you didn't tell me that last time because I actually made the point that like you know IDs can't do anything with this because it's a string. You're tunneling stuff inside a string, and it just doesn't you know to to it it's just a dumb string. Oh, I might not have been listening to you. You probably weren't. You never did. So, <laughs> no, I'm always amazed by by how well that's implemented. I mean, the, even my refactoring stuff and everything works. It's just it's crazy. Like JavaScript refactoring stuff. Yeah. Uh, we have some. Uh, I still can't believe you hadn't upgraded. Yeah, I don't know. There's just I don't know. I think I was one of the first ones to upgrade it too. I meant to upgrade before the end of the year <laughs> so I could get over my previous. I think year's the taxes. email went out and I went click <laughs> and upgraded. I like I like new things. I like shiny new things. So one thing that I've probably been complaining about for I don't know when did Salesforce release Apex and the Eclipse IDE. Six, eight years ago, something like no, that. No, it's 10, ten, years, ago. 10 years ago. Um, There's no way. I've always, the whole time, had the problem of, and it's, and it, it, granted, it's it, intermittent and the, in the court, and on new slash small orgs, it's not as big of a problem. But if you're on a slower pod or you have a big org or whatever, it's like, it's like trying to run through quicksand, you know, getting anything done in Apex Visual Force land because the, you know, saving takes forever. So, you know, so when you save, you know, to com- you know, sending that compile job off or whatever. And just how that's so disruptive to the develop to a developer's workflow and staying in the zone when you're trying to get stuff done. I, I blame, um, I blame that for how much coffee I drink. Because I hit save and I drink coffee until it finishes. <laughs> oh, see, I blame it for how much like time I spent on Twitter and Reddit and everything because like, I see that. I see that progress bar, that fake progress bar. That I don't touch Reddit. It's like crack. I'll just keep going deeper and deeper until I end up somewhere I can't get out of. <laughs> anyway, so I guess I don't know who this guy works for Salesforce. I guess he does. He says anyway. So this is hot off the presses news, John. Did you know that? Don't we have a soundbite? Did, you, for did that? you know that de- deploying and retrieves are slow? <laughs> no. so this guy says, um, "What is he talking about?" Um, his name is Nathan Totten. I think he's like maybe he's like the VS Code uh, lead or something for Salesforce. But he says, "Anyone who has experience slow deploy and retrieves with VS Code or the CLI, please email me, email me with details. We're trying to definitively to solve this problem once and for all." I guess he means over the past. You know, we've had this problem for ten years now. We're gonna actually going to try to fix it. No, I mean, 
I mean, I've I've reported this. I've reported this so many times, and I've I've even had people get back to me with like the, I mean, they can see my jobs. They've got a gra- They've got all this metrics. I mean, they they've got, they've got all the monitoring. I mean, that's one thing the sales. I mean, they've got really good monitoring. I mean, they can see every job, how long it took, how it got queued, how it got delayed, all that stuff. They know they know all this. And usually the answer I get back back is like, yeah, no, okay, well, yeah, we know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You have to get the people that can fix it. You have to get them motivated to fix it. Um, anyway, but yeah, if you um, if you, you have, have to s- reset your expectations, you have this, this is cloud computing we're talking about. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I do lots of cloud computing on other platforms, and I don't have do not have this problem. Although I, I should say, um, I feel like Salesforce has gotten much better in this area. I do feel like the performance has gotten a lot better. Have you experienced that? I would say just over the past, you know, couple. If I look back two or three years, I had way more problems with that than I do now. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, it, it's it's gotten faster. It's still you're still having to pause and wait, and it kind of sucks whenever you push something and then realize, oh, I had a mistake, and you have to wait for it to come back. It, I notice the slowness more when when my code is wrong, when there's an error. Um, that's when I know I've I've messed up. Because it takes longer. If it's clean and it's, it's good, it'll compile. Then it comes back pretty quickly. But if there's an error, it takes a while. I feel like I've noticed the opposite. It's when it's when it's good that it oh. takes longer. Because it actually <laughs> not for me. <laughs> because yeah, because when if so, you've got like you have a syntax error that can be that can be caught. Yeah. Again, here's the problem. Even though that's a quick thing to catch, computing wise, if that job that you're sending out where you're sending out this Apex class or whatever it is, I mean, if it if it gets if it gets put into a queue, I mean you're you're in a queue. Yeah. You sit save and you're a developer and you're trying to move on and you're typing, or you can even do this mode that some of these things have where it's basically just constantly as you're building your code, it's constantly you know like trying to save or compile it or whatever. And it's like then I realize I mean because I'll and I'll do some coding, flip around to another class, do some coding and then flip around to a page and then to a lightning component. I'm, I'm doing all those things. And then I realize I've got a queue of like eight commands that have been sent off that are still trying to all unwind themselves. Yeah. And the other thing is, I don't think they get, I don't think they're in serial order. So I may make a change to a controller, flip over to a Visual Force page, make a change that depends on that change of the controller. And the Visual Force page save job got through before the controller did. And of course, it it was an error because it depended on the change to the Apex class happening first. So it's just, you know, I shouldn't be able to code faster than than a compiler can compile my, you know, 12 line Apex class. Well, maybe we. Shouldn't be compiling it for every save. We should just. Well, I, actually, I turned that off yeah. for that reason. I just, and I've even got like. I've, I've been entertaining the idea of maybe I shouldn't be compiling every time. I should just save locally. And when I'm ready and I think I want to push, just push. Yeah. So an IntelliJ or an Illuminate Cloud Shift Alt Command F12 is your friend. <laughs> That's what I use. Is it just I, me or is, or is Max uh, hotkey commands just ludicrous? They are. I mean, Windows, it's like a couple of keys. And this one, you're having like Shift, Command, Function. <laughs> F6, yeah. whatever. I'm just like, geez, my fingers are like doing this. They're they're just. I think part of that though is that people like the Mac. I don't. know, I could be wrong about this. I feel like in the Mac ecosystem, a lot more short key, people use keyboard shortcuts a lot more. And so, so you actually so you have to, to get more creative yeah, with them to be unique. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. And also, some of these things are like modifiers of other things. Like you may have like a Shift Command F12. 
And if you want a slightly modified version of that, then like you would add the option to it. So in your brain, it's like, oh yeah, it's like that one, except I'm doing the option, the optional form of it or whatever. So it's just, <laughs> yeah, next thing you know, you're like doing Twister with your fingers. Yeah, you know, on the, uh. yeah pretty much. <laughs> on my new, I think my new keyboard is smaller because I have to, I have to like really scrunch my two fingers together to get a function shift F6 so I can do my refactoring. And it's just, I, I always end up control shift F6. What does function shift F6 do? Well, it's shift F6, but I have to do function because I... Oh, for a rename. Right. Yes. Okay. Is, is that what refactoring is to you? Reads renaming? No. Okay. You, see, you even said it. You even <laughs> said it. I do, I do shift F6 to refactor. But that well, probably is like 98% of what your refactoring is. is probably just renaming something, right? Well, when I'm using that function, yeah. yeah. If I'm moving methods in and out of a, out of a larger function, then I'm... What am I copying and pasting? Something I like guess. that. I don't know. Unless I'm, if there's a command that says grab this block and make it its own function, someone tell me because that would be awesome. Yeah, it's called extract method. Oh, is that the thing? Yeah. Oh. Here are the refactoring book, Martin Fowler's refactoring book. I think it's. Martin I'm just Fowler. talking about in the IDE. I know. I'm just saying, but but that, like, that was one of these books that kind of de define all these terms, like. Or maybe canonicalized these. these no, I, yeah, terms. I know what that means. I'm just saying I didn't know that was a there's a hotkey function for me to do that. No, if there is, I oh I don't I gotta I, find I, it. I, yeah, I don't know if eliminate class because I I just upgraded today, so I haven't even got because it added all kinds of new re, uh, refactoring stuff, and I haven't even dug into it yet. Yeah, I just wish the API. I wish there was some way to like do a bunch of refactoring, mm -hmm. and then. I guess I guess Illuminated Cloud will help you do some of that, at least with your code. But then you have the problem of okay, now how do I how do I make how do I make it look like this in my actual Salesforce org? Yeah, it's kind of tough. There's it does it does the no best solution it can, to this because it's a, it's essentially a create and delete. Like like if you rename a class, it's a create and a delete. But if you do it as like if you did a bunch of refactoring and it spans a, a couple of different classes and one of those classes has an error, then you end up a little bit out of sync. Yeah. And you have to kind of just resync everything, yeah, and it's like manual, multi-step, yeah, horrible thing. Yeah, and then yeah, I guess. And you, sometimes I don't realize it until I run a test, and I'm like, "Why isn't that passing?" It says it's not there, and then I go, "I got to resave that class." Yeah, and then the other thing is, I can understand is like you know, let's say you're doing all this, and then you're pushing these things to the, the sandbox, and you know, a week later you've got you know, I don't know, eighty, ninety commits that are built up that now need to go to production. Like you got to get to reperform all those manual steps across to get from your whatever your previous release was to yeah. this new release and that's that's when it just like okay this is impossible and that's why i say none of these tools none of these tools um that are out there the gear set all these things none of them solve this because well, they're working with what they got yeah what and, and there's mean, just not that they, much can, they can get creative to try to solve the problem maybe automate some of that manual task but essentially they're just that's what they're doing they're just trying to automate a few things yep, yep. so anyways yeah well, John, uh, it's late. Yeah, let's call. Let's it. wrap this thing up, man. Let's call it. I had nothing special. That's okay. Oh, uh, we could talk about the fifth industrial revolution, but we can say that for another time. Is that actually a thing? I mean, did this, did, it's a that, thing. has it been coined already? It's a thing. Who yeah. coined that? Benioff. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you know Klaus Schwab is the one who coined the fourth industrial revolution, and even though like we haven't even barely started that one yet, Benioff's like, damn it. Well, <laughs> I want the fifth. You had the fourth. I'm getting the fifth. So he went ahead and said, "Well, I, I'm, I'm I, I need to watch the video." But it was essentially Benioff and and Schwab together where this fifth industrial movement came out. So maybe they just 
tag teamed it or partnered with it or I don't know who said it first, but yeah. I think Benioff is encroaching on his his, uh, mentor's territory. But it's funny because there's a transition here. They're talking about how the fourth industrial revolution is is enabling the fifth industrial revolution, and that's how they're transitioning to the fifth. Uh, You know, at some point, it's just billionaires making shit up. Yeah. Well, they're trying to get you to buy their stuff. They needed you to buy their AI products, so they created the fourth industrial revolution, and now they need you to use their technology to do other things, and so they're doing the fifth. I'm I'm totally just going to tune out of all this revolution stuff. Anyways, I meant to clip some of it, but my day was crazy. My week was crazy, so I didn't get as much prep time as I wanted. So I apologize. Every day, every week of your life is crazy. You just have to, you need to admit that to yourself. Can't I just sit on a beach and do podcast stuff? Just make that my full-time job? I mean, probably. I don't know. You may not like your life. My kids won't go to college. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Kids will have no shoes. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Um, shoot us an email. Hit us up. Info at gooddaysurpodcast.com with your questions and feedback. Um, what else? Join our Slack. We already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Write a review. Like us on the socials. Yep. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your parents and your siblings. Make Force your kids to listen to us in no, the don't, car. Don't oh, do that's that. right. Don't do, don't that. do that. Don't do that. All right, John. It's been fun. We didn't drink enough beer today. I've been sitting here with an empty glass this half time. This was the what, right amount of beer for me. You, what do you think of this Brute IPA? I don't like these Brutes. I liked it. You I liked, do like, you like I liked it. drinking out of the bottle, by the way. Yeah, well. It's because you're, you're basic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it just has to do with the... That's <laughs> not even funny. Not even funny, John. Good thing that no one saw that. <laughs> That's why we don't do video yet. (laughs) And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.